Blog Talk Radio. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now you found it. This is Alan Smith's Ask the Trucker Live on Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world. With your hosts, Alan and Donna Smith, focusing on driver health, careers, regulations, and the important issues facing the industry. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Ask the Trucker Live begins right now. Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to this special alert show on Ask the Trucker Live. I'm Donna Smith, and I'll be hosting the show, uh, at least initially tonight. Um, First of all, Alan and I want to thank everyone for coming on the show tonight. It's such a short notice, but we felt that the topic needed to be discussed And I'm hoping Alan will get back in time. He's going to try to get back early uh, to help uh, co-host the show with me tonight. Um, He usually hosts the Saturday night shows uh, regarding trucking, and that's his day off. And I host the health shows on Thursday nights. Uh, But like I said, we did feel that this uh, topic about the Denim Amendment was so important that we called this um, kind of an emergency show, I kind of call it, on a Tuesday night. Uh, So what is the Denham Amendment? The amendment introduced by Representative Jeff Denham from Turlock, California, has introduced legislation which could substantially reduce the amount truckers are compensated and eliminate their right to take breaks under the laws provided by their state. Uh, After trucking companies have been battling in the courts for years and losing these issues, Uh, The trucking industry, it appears, is now trying to slip in a provision eliminating trucker rights into a larger transportation bill in hopes that the provision will go unnoticed. Most drivers had never heard of the Denim Amendment, and uh, even after reading about it, weren't really sure what it was. Uh, Last week, we caught wind of it and started posting on social media. And then Saturday night, we had our show with Ashish Desai of the Desai Law Firm, and he explained in detail how this amendment would negatively affect driver wages. And we posted the replay of the link uh, in the comment section um, on this show page, uh, along with some other reference links you can look at. So if you just look at the show page, now if you've called in tonight, you, you, you you don't see it, but if you just follow the link, it'll be right in the comment section. Uh, First, we need to say this amendment was added to the House Transportation Bill, passed on November 4th. Uh, The Senate had already passed their transportation bill in July, and the Denham Amendment was not in their bill. This week, however, the House and the Senate go over both bills, including all the amendments, have a conference among themselves, and have to agree on everything for the final transportation bill, and that includes, you know, all of the amendments. Uh, of course, it's it, this is the simplified version I just gave you. It is so much more complicated than that. Uh, right now, from what I understand, the biggest thing they're discussing is the funding. So I think, uh, you know, that's what's holding it up. 
Um, I did read in Overdrive uh, a little earlier that they have passed a short-term highway bill and that they're going to extend the federal highway bill until the 4th, but they're still going to be in conference uh, speaking about these amendments and everything. So the call to action is is still going with that um, 202 Washington number. I might as well just say it now, 202-224-3121. You just give people your the operator your zip code, and they'll connect you with your representatives. Um, so the amendment, as we read it, would have a negative effect by limiting trucker wages for non-driving time. Uh, the part of the amendment that is most concerning to OTR truckers is this part. Um, it, and this is Part B. This is the one that pertains mostly to OTR drivers interstate. A state political subdivision of a state or political authority of two or more states may not enact or enforce a law, regulation, or other provision having the force and effect of law that requires a motor carrier that compensates employees on a piece rate basis to pay those employees separate or additional compensation, provided that the motor carrier pays the employee a total sum that when divided by the total number of hours worked during the corresponding work period is equal to or greater than applicable hourly minimum wage of the state. And that's like the the part that really, I think, gets people. It's that language in that part. Um, OIDA did send out a call to action also to everyone yesterday, uh, strongly uh, opposing the Denim Amendment. And um, I'll just read that to you here now. Um, by the way, um, there's there's a lot of people. Hold on, let me scroll down. Okay, there's a lot of people on the line. Thanks, everybody, for listening on this short notice. Um, if you want to be part of the show, click one on your keypad, and that puts your hand up um, so that I can see that you want to be part of the show. And for all those listening online, um, if you do want to be part of the show, dial 347-826. 9170, and then click one on your keypad. Uh, and that, like I said, that'll put your hand up. I'm going to read now what OIDA, their call to action they sent out. It says, as lawmakers continue resolving the differences between the House and Senate versions of the highway bill this week in Washington, we would like to draw your attention to language that, if included, is certain to impact your bottom line. This language was introduced via amendment by Congressman Jeff Denham, Republican of California, as a result of a Ninth Circuit Court decision to enforce a 100-year-old law in California pertaining to meal and rest breaks for employees. However, the language also includes an ambitious overreach, and that's that part that I read to you earlier, uh, that would limit the state's ability to allow for any other driver compensation except mileage pay. OIDA stands firmly opposed to this language. The Denham Amendment was passed by the House in early November by a 248 to 180 vote, but was not included in the Senate's version of the highway bill. 
OIDA needs you to speak out and impose the Denim Amendment because it would unravel mandated fair pay for drivers and would empower large carriers to further reduce driver wages. It would also gut the ability for states to address critical items like payment for detention time, safety training, and medical examinations or other costs associated with licensing procedures. So that was uh, OIDA's call to, to action. Um, there's a, you know, a lot to talk about tonight. What I really want to do is um, I'd like to bring uh, a couple of people on the line and get their uh, input on it. I'm going to open um, area code 901 first. And cause I know who these guys are. <laughs> They're gonna call, they were calling in to help me tonight, everybody, until Alan gets in. Um, and area code five one two. Okay. Good evening. Is nine oh one? Is that Jerry? Yes, it is, Donna. Good evening. Hey, hi, Jerry. That's Jerry Fritz. And area code five one two. I believe that's Pat Hockaday. Good afternoon, everybody. <laughs> okay. So uh, you were able to hear the intro uh, of what's going on. Of course, you guys were on the show Saturday night. And by the way, um, the link to Saturday night's show is on the show page. Uh, I think I said that, but, you know, it was really had a lot of information on that show. And we hope to go over as much on tonight's show. But, you know, I just want to start out with um, Jerry. You know, yes. uh, it, just... You know, I read what Oida said. You know, we we have what um, we discussed Saturday night. But to everybody new here tonight, um, you know, you've been around the industry for a while, and I know you were very um, adamant on Saturday night of how serious you felt this was. Uh, can you share with everybody tonight again? You know the the seriousness of this amended amendment and why they need to call in. I mean, we've already called in. I'm going to call in again tomorrow myself and just keep at them. But um, could you just share with that? Yeah, so let me start with this. I'm third generation. I mean, I was literally brought home from the hospital as a newborn baby in 1946 in a cattle truck. Studied law and transportation stuff in college. Uh, even been in the Teamsters, this is the most egregious anti-truck driver, anti-truck driver's family that I've ever seen since deregulation. And everybody's missing a point. We were just listening to KC's show earlier. There are, this is what I want to get out here now. Everybody has not peeled back a layer of the onion that must be done. They are blaming the government. They are blaming the FMSCA and all this. Well, the government is representing someone here, folks, and it's the fat cats. You can check on everything I say here. Uh, this is not the California government and denim going behind us. This is a big, big kahuna here that's remaining behind the scenes it is probably the driving force in the American Trucking Association. I mean, okay, uh, they passed a bill. Wow, it's the government. No, 
the government's representing someone here. And by the way, it is the same group that's got the government speaking for them for ELDs, speed limits. This isn't only the government. It's the American Trucking Association. Now, I'm about to prove this. There are some incredible big bucks here. Over the past few years, FedEx, McLean, and a whole bunch of other companies on these phony lease purchases, so on and so forth, and it's been law for years, got caught up in the misclassification of employment. Finally, the drivers got smart enough to say, hey, we're not putting up with this anymore. So they found attorneys. They were breaking the law. They do the, yes. Hello? Hello? You're there, Jerry. You're there, Jerry. Wait a minute. Am I speaking? Yes. 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 So they've been breaking the law. They got caught. And it was just on another show where, if it upheld by the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court handed it back to California. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeal has got it right. Now, watch this. At FedEx alone, they had to give up. They just had to write a check for $250 million to pay the drivers for the misclassification of employment. On the show Saturday night, a G told us McLean got hit for five point two million dollars. Yeah, that was, I remember him saying that. That's right. This is not just some liberal courts. They got themselves caught this time. Shame on them. They were playing the game and they got caught. So here we go. Hey Jerry. Let's Jerry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me just. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but these are in my notes, and I think this might trigger something uh, for you also. Um, I I have here, we must realize that the default and minimum wage protection law in the country is embodied in the FLSA, which provides just that, minimum protection. However, the FLSA specifically includes a savings clause under which Congress expressly reserved to all the states the right to enact additional wage laws which could offer their workers rights in excess of the minimums provided by the FLSA, but further provided that the states could never offer less than that provided by the FLSA. In other words, the FLSA was established as a floor for worker pay rights, but certainly not a ceiling of those rights. Consistent with the rights afforded by FSLA, California and many other states have, in fact, enacted wage laws and protections Mm -hmm. which exceed the FLSA's minimum. Denim now seeks to default back to the minimum protections afforded by the FLSA by preempting state laws that exceed those afforded at federal level as revised by the Motor Carrier Act. I just wanted to say that, and uh, okay. Yeah, that works, Donna, because there are those, even in our own herd, that kind of criticize some of that. But now watch the big bucks involved here. Okay. Uh, FedEx has already been laughed out of the Kansas courts. Seriously. 
the head judge, when FedEx walked in to defend themselves on misclassification of employment, theft of wages, the judge stated, this is laughable. FedEx is done, but watch the money that's involved here, and you wonder how the government got involved. Uh, the ATA, the Truckload Carriers Association, is pouring money into this because watch the consequences. Also, if you take notice in this pending bill, it has something on there like they can't go back even. In other words, anything that's already been paid, no one can sue them to come in for enforcement of what's happened in the past. Now, what's happened in the past? Take the $250 million. FedEx settled on that. They didn't take it to the end. They knew they were done. Suppose FedEx got, had to pay that $250 million in 40 other states. This is what they could be open to. You're talking $10 billion might have to go back to misclassified employees. Do that with McLean, which a G mentioned the other night. We're talking uh, $200 million there. And you wonder how this little senator or whatever he is in California suddenly proposes legislation exempting everything in the past, now, and in the future. Right. That's the big bucks involved here, folks. Wake up. Your fight is not with the FMSCA. Your fight is not with the government. Your fight is with the fat cats, the few dozen who consider themselves transportation uh, royalty, aristocracy, that wants to run this country as small business owner operators. And it's always been, I'm third generation, for some reason, it's always been the nature of trucking. If you can keep from paying your driver for all of his work, then find a way of getting away with it. We're the only business that tolerates that. The only time that they never got away with that was when they had a union hanging around their neck. And even the union had to fight them and put grievances every time you turn around, the driver to get paid this. So it's time to wake up, folks. It's not the FMSEA. It's not the government. It's the fat cats, the few dozen, and the ATA and the TCA that run America's transportation. And they're trying to dominate well, here's another statement. Um, the amendment will, in turn, then essentially eradicate California and edit every other state laws protecting mm-hmm. drivers from wage theft because each state has their own laws. Right. The amendment will allow trucking companies to pay drivers only for the time they spend driving, despite the fact that drivers are required to spend a great deal of time performing their non-driving duties in fulfillment of their employment, which usually exceeds in excess of 20% of their work day. So, you know, when you first read this amendment, and of course, again, on the show page, we have the actual amendment in the link uh, if you'd like to read it. All the links are on the show page. When you first read it, you know, it's in such a way, you know, you go, well, that doesn't sound right, but what exactly does that mean? And then when you dig further and, and the um, look into the FLSA and, and, and really, really dig deep, uh, you know, uh, then, then you realize, I think OIDA 
wrote it perfectly, you know, in their call to action. You know, they really figured it out. And um, it's on their Facebook page, and I'm sure it's on their website also for the the call to action. Um, They have a a different number, but this is just the the national number that that we have, that you just give people your your zip code, whatever you're comfortable with. Um, The number we have is 202-224-3121, and you just say, uh, no, this isn't fair to truck driver wages, and, you know, express how you feel about it. And, of course, you know, we always say you have to be very polite or else it could backfire on us. But anyway... uh, and that's a amendment uh, uh, Jerry, number 114-32, by the way. What? Oh, the amendment. This is amendment Pat. Number Pat, you want to jump in here? Okay. 114-32. That's yes, the amendment. Ma'am. You tell them it's on the House Transportation Bill, the Denim Amendment, 114-32. And uh, oh, anything you want to add, uh, Pat? Yeah, Donna, on the... Uh, on the uh, 202 number, for those who have never called in before, again, yes. let's read that slow because they may be driving. Uh, okay. Take a moment there and pick up a pencil or something. Okay, sure. it is 202-224-3121. Now, that will put you into the switchboard. Now, you're going to have to ask for the phone numbers or sometimes to be patched through to your legislators. They won't be They'll taking this. They'll just ask you this when I called. Yeah. When oh, I really? called, Jerry, they just yeah. asked for my uh, zip code. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Just Normally that's code, what and they then... do. Normally yeah. that's what they do. You give them their zip code, and then you request either senator or congressman. Today I called in, and I was actually referred to an automated system where they were wanting to push various numbers to do various things. I felt rather encouraged by that. It seemed to me like maybe we got a lot of people calling in and the operators couldn't handle it. So uh, that's what I'm hoping. Um, I told them, uh, actually, when I called in, I've called in three or four times today. One time they automatically sent me to my senator's office because of my phone area code. Uh, I don't know how, but I got there. I called back to speak to my other senator, and I got an operator. And um, she directed me to my other senator. So it's really kind of odd how it's working uh, today. I've never seen it act this way. And let me add um, this, too. For the people who have never tried this, do it. You'd be surprised if you've never done this how much better you're going to feel being an American citizen, a patriot, than you finally got through and you talked to your senator's office. And by the way, folks, when you consider what I was referring to before, the billions and billions of dollars that are really at stake here by the fat cats, our numbers, your single calls could never be more important. It's the only way that the little guy, us little peons, can undo the big money that is really behind all this. Numbers count. Get those calls in. Yes, and there's another way of doing this. It's um, it works really well. Awada's got fightingfortruckers.com. Once you go in there and register, you get all your information in there. You can write one email and at the click of a button send it to your congressman and both your senators. 
when you go back the next time, your information's already in there. A lot of right. times there's a pre-written, pre-written letters, two or three, that you can choose from. So I've kind of been uh, voicing my opinion to OIDA about how they need to straighten this page out a little bit more, but that's between me and them. I think if we all pressured OIDA, we could make this page into something spectacular. We had all proposed rulemakings right there in front of us, and we could click on it and read a little bit about it and then click on another button, take it straight to where we make our comments, imagine what we could accomplish. This call to action today about uh, the denim amendment should be just that easy. should be able to click on that son of a gun, blank page come up, pre-written, or you write your own. This fighting for truckers has the potential to be a fabulous tool, and it's not just for members. Anybody can use it. So... I want to give them a plug in that area. Um, oh, absolutely, and that's just www.fightingfortruckers.com. That's the um, OIDA website. Um, that's right, fightingfortruckers.com. What is it? Fightingfortruckers.com, yes, ma'am. Okay. Uh, you know, I wanted to, uh, on the Overdrive article, because Todd Dills um, had an article on this, and uh, let's see, I'm looking. One of the comments was from Andrew Richard Utote. And uh, Andrew, or I call him Richard. I was talking with him today. He called the house here. And, uh, and you know, he, he goes by either name. But Richard was actually at the convention uh, in 212. And he is so active um, you know, in a lot of the politics, and he, he's a really sharp guy. But he wrote this on the Overdrive uh, article, and he said, this is the most frightening piece of trucking legislation I have ever read. It literally pays the driver for time on duty driving only, nothing else. It could literally do away with the on-duty not driving line or any compensation for any work done when not driving. Hold and detention, loading and unloading, fuel bonuses, safety bonuses, just sitting in the in the first seat and driving down the road on duty driving. You will literally become steering wheel holders at the stroke of a pen because that is all you will be paid for. And then he goes on to say this one sentence. I will say this one more time, drivers. You do not need a union to do collective bargaining. So he means to pretty much unite, make the phone calls, and let your voice be heard. Mm. But I thought that was a powerful uh, message. He's pretty much saying everything you're saying, uh, Jerry. Donna, I'd like to throw this in there. I think I, I think I sent you some documentation on this. How many hours are we talking about here, really? Some of the newer people or any older people in the business never really calculated. Actually, the Truckload Carriers Association, under the leadership of Lana Bates back around 1999, commissioned Martin Lab and Associates of Coral Gables, Florida. They're known in the business for doing a lot of independent studies, by the way. That study showed that the average 
when they polled the carriers, the drivers, they found that the average drive-in driver was 32 or 33 hours a week in the loading and unloading situation. The reefer drivers were 43 and a half hours a week. Now, and if you're around around the year 2000, 2001, this was front page articles. They rounded it off to 40 hours a week. There is even a classic picture of a driver sitting there sleeping over the wheel with his door open. They used a lot. It was even in transport topics, which is published by the American Trucking Association. So now you take that 40 hours a week that the average, on the average, their study, remember, donates to the industry. Now you take that 40 hours a week, and due to the 34 restart, you can, in the same seven or eight days, do 80-something hours a week driving. We're talking about effectively 120-hour work weeks, and they want to pay back the minimum wage now. Average is all out the minimum wage. First of all, that 40 hours, according to 395.2 of the Code of Federal Regulations, and it's within, within conflict of what Pat was talking about. The book conflicts with itself now. 395.2, up until February 2012, clearly stated, I studied this stuff. Anytime the driver is on the property of the shipper, the constantier, the carrier, and is required to be in readiness to perform work, is on duty, not, not driving. driving. And because now, we've prior, done that illegally for all these years, we never did that. We logged off duty because we were not paid for that time. Therefore, we logged it off duty. When we go to the courts and say, look here, your Honor, I didn't even make minimum wage, and the uh, uh, the Honor looks at your logbook and says, "My goodness, yes, you did too." Well, no, not when you include the hours I spent at the loading dock. Well, you logged them off duty. Technically, by their rules, you weren't at work, so you got no complaint here, driver. My point yeah. is, we dug this hole because we had been behaving illegally. Well, the way the pay is. We can't afford not to behave illegally. If we log that time waiting on duty, not driving, we don't get paid for it. It takes up our time that we need to drive down the road. So Jerry's absolutely spot on. We don't work just eight-hour days, 12-hour days. We work 16, 17, and 18-hour days historically. We do work a lot of hours every week. We're just not compensated for them. The nature now of me, our own doing. Now let me point something out to you here. I'm going to use a dirty word. Now was only fifty-fifty when I was in it. The previous generation before deregulation. This was in the press because it's one of the reasons that the politicians and the fat cats and American corporations could prove that we needed to have deregulation. Eighty-seven percent of the regulated manufactured goods at one time before deregulation moved under the Teamster National Master Freight Agreement. Now, under that agreement, we got paid for everything we did. And we had to log it, by the way. I didn't think twice about logging four hours for loading or unloading, because in 1982, I'm being paid 13 15 an hour. Today, you know what that would pay today, Donna? When you adjust it for inflation, 
$33.66 an hour. You show me a driver that would not log his loading and unloading time if it was being paid $33.66 an hour, and if he's spending 40 hours a week at the docks, according to their own studies, that would be almost $1,300 a week in your paycheck for just sitting at the dock. This oh, is what, I know. By the way, this isn't what we gave up. This is what truck load management took away from the drivers after deregulation. They took it away from us by convincing well, I us. Wanna... Oh, no. Yeah, do us a favor and just sit there and wait for load and unload. Then it grew to what it is. I want to throw something out there to everybody. And um, before I do, let me just say I, a bunch of people just jumped on the, the line within the last 10 minutes. So I just want to tell them, you, if you want to be part of the show and ask a question, just press 1 on your keypad and your hand will raise, and then we'll know that you want to be part of the show. And for all those listening uh, online, um, just dial 347-826-9170 and then click 1 on your keypad, and again, that will raise your hand. Uh, but I just want to, I want to throw this out there for discussion, and if anybody wants to jump in, just raise your hand. The the so-called driver shortage, okay, um, people, veterans, you know, they know what's going on. Uh, everybody who's listening here tonight knows everything, you know, the, the little tricks and things that, that happen, uh, and a lot of people aren't entering the industry. Um, hold up. But now um, in the transportation bill, and I believe it's in the House, and correct me if I'm wrong, please, um, but they have the 19-year-old drivers coming in. And as far as we're concerned, because we've talked about it uh, among ourselves and with other drivers, this is just another way to bring in another segment of the industry and to exploit them. Because they're going to be more naive, they're going to be grateful to even have a job at 19, Uh, it's a new deal. And then if this amendment passed, you know, if they did become unhappy or disillusioned or something, then there wouldn't be any hope for all the time they put in, uh, you know, detention and loading and, and all like that. Does anybody agree with that or have they thought of that already or, you know, I'm just looking for some input on that. Donna, I'd like to throw an angle in here that relates to that that no one's talking about. Okay. I run my own business. I run my own business here. I have to negotiate my own rates and so on and so forth. Can you imagine what's going to happen when the shipper community finds out about this bill? Now, you are a carrier. I'm the shipper. I'm the fat cat sitting there with the big cigar, right? And you come in and say, hey, you know... You're going to have to start paying detention time. My drivers are sitting at your docks four or five hours every load. And that fat's going to sit there with his big cigar and blow a big smoke ring and say, what are you talking about? The law says you don't even have to pay those people for that anymore. So this is not even going to be the discussion. Don't even talk to me about detention because I just found out that by law, you don't even have to pay your drivers that. Wait till the shipping community finds out. 
Well, the shipping community knows it. That's why they've helped through the ATA to push this through. Yep, it's already a, a strategy that they're playing out. Let me comment here on this. If this Denham Amendment does not pass, do you think for a minute that they are not going to break it up into smaller pieces and try it, slide in underneath the cover of darkness later? This is going to be an ongoing issue. They're going to change the wording. They're going to revise it. They're going to do this, that, and the other. Big money is behind this. That's all she wrote. This also infringes on states' rights. In a way, this is trying to establish a federal rule to override the state's rules. Um, Kind of, sort of, in my way of thinking, as an over-the-road driver, this is not bad, but it is bad. Um, If we had federal regulations that were specific to our industry, over-the-road truck drivers, how can, then we've got one place to go to. So I don't know how they're looking at it, if they're looking at it through these eyes or not, but we cannot infringe upon the state's rights. As Jerry was telling me the other night, do you not realize that you're not really a citizen of the United States? You're a citizen of the, your state of domicile. Jerry was explaining to me about the uh, why there's not a federal driver's license to cover drivers such as us. This is why why we have a CDL. Um, there's a lot of interesting history here, and all this hey, Pat, adds up. Hey, 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 Pat, hold on right there, and I'll, and I'll jump right out. Okay. What I was explaining to Pat the other night, I was here when it happened. Uh, they knew they wanted to do some type of federal license because many of us were running around with more than one driver's license, so on and so forth. So they come up with this idea that we'll have a federal driver's license, just like an airline pilot has a federal airline uh, license regulated by the FAA. But what happened was somebody took a look at this and say, wait a minute now. Jerry Fritz is not a citizen of the United States. Jerry Fritz is a citizen of the state of Tennessee, and the Tennessee is a member of the Union of the United States. So therefore, there was no legal way of even creating a federal driver's license because none of us are really a citizen of the United States. We're all citizens of a state. That's why you ended up with a CSA that had to fit the certain requirements that the federal government wanted on a commercial driver's license. Now, what gets me, if that applied for that, how can they come along with this law now and tell the states, no, the drivers under 395 of the Code of Federal Regulations are entitled to representation by the labor laws of their own state. So again, they're trying to turn us into a federal citizen, and there is no such thing as a federal citizen. Uh, But I'm working in so many states over over a period of time. It all adds up on one single logbook. What state am I actually in violation, or or is the carrier in violation of labor laws then? 
Well, this gets all very complicated and confusing. You must assume, or I assume, that this measure, this denim measure, is a way of sorting this out to a degree, but not to my favor, to their favor. So if, if we cannot find anything in this bill that benefits us, why should we be for it? We've got to start voting and thinking trucker-friendly. We don't want to realize, well, Gander were fed weekly on the radio. Oh, the HEA is our friend. Derek Letters, oh, support the HEA. We do a lot of work for you drivers. Craig, uh, Craig, what's his name at J.B. Hunt? The same thing. Everybody is trying to make the drivers feel like these are our best buddies. Wait a minute. The HEA represents the shippers of America receivers as well, probably. We've got to look at this as business. This isn't right. be warm and fuzzy, feel nice. Oh, they respect me because they smiled at me this morning. Who gives a crap about that? They're going to be sending all kinds of birthday cards to your family, this, that, and the other, to make you feel all nice and fuzzy inside while you're starving to death. While you've got, And you would be surprised how many um, drivers these lower-incoming drivers actually qualify for federal assistance because they're legally separated. Sure they are. The husband's gone three, four weeks uh, every month on a regular basis. They qualify for... We're giving these mega carriers corporate welfare. We're feeding the family of incoming drivers. And we want to set up a situation to bring... Younger drivers in at even a lower rate standard as they apply are so cheap to begin with. We're not eligible for overtime. That means seven twenty-five an hour times seventy hours is five hundred and seven dollars fifty cents a week. That's not hard to meet that standard. Once that now, standard is met, it's not hard to say, "Oh, well, we're not required to pay you any detention time or anything else." You've already earned enough. Look at now, Pat Flipper. Let me compare hey, this other number, and I'll, I'll give you four. Uh, I, I'm a common everyday worker, 40 hours plus 30 hours overtime, $616. That's a hundred, over $100 a week difference in, in the way the law is applied to us. So you've got to take it for what it's worth. We deserve... Well, more than that. Now, Pat? Yes, ma'am? Pat? Yes. I just want to say that up to the company now, the law if this is passed, the law says that they don't have to pay overtime, I'm not overtime, detention time and, you know, pre and post all the work that drivers do. However, it doesn't restrict the uh any motor carrier if they wanted to, I think people were confused about that. I think some oh, people yeah. thought right. even if they wanted to pay more, this law would stop them. No, it would not no, prevent no, them. No, it would not. No. Okay. Well, Donna, However, here, here, Donna, here, uh, here's what would happen there. Let's say Martin Transportation, uh, and I have no, I don't know, or I know who they were when they started. They're paying twenty dollars an hour detention, but. When most of the competition, let's say, you know, I'm saying, you know, I want to pay my drivers $20 an hour. 
but we're all feeding out of the same trough for the same shippers. It won't be long before the ones who have been able to do it so far and the shippers find out that you really don't have to, that there won't be enough money to do it. The competition will keep it from happening. Mm-hmm. See, when yeah, most I'm going to get another caller here. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, bring somebody on. Let me, let me bring on 417. Okay. Hey, 417. Donna. Hello, Donna. Hello. Donna? Hi, Hal? Yes. Hey, I saw your hand up. It went down, and I figured I didn't know what I figured. I pulled you up anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the way this law is, the, the way I'm interpreting this law right now, or this, excuse me, it's not a law, it's an amendment. If this gets passed, <clears throat> it would be an open door for trucking companies to not have to pay you, to say we don't have to pay you. If, like, as Jerry says, if they catch wind of it and see it, that'll be an open door for them to say, well, you know, we're paying you X amount per mile to do your job. That's it. We'll compensate you a little bit, but we don't have to pay you, period, because the law says we don't have to. Uh, This is where, you know, this is my big sticking point on that. And the amendment, when you read it, it says, no state shall make a law concerning this. So, well, yeah, it's I mean, taking all power away from the states. Yeah, um, it's taking power away from the states when they're not supposed to be. The federal government cannot take the power away from the states. And let me throw this but in I'm, there, folks. There's even a clause in there that says they can't even enforce existing laws. The existing law can't yep. even be enforced. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty <clears throat> dangerous. Um, but you know what drivers are commenting? They're saying, well, what's the difference? They don't pay us now anyway. Uh, well, what you can say to that is, well, this will ensure that there's never a possibility to get paid. Well, right? Yeah, I mean, if, if they can prevent, if we can prevent this from taking place, if drivers, their families, anybody that supports truckers and, you know, stands behind them, calls in to have this voted down and we keep an eye on it and make sure nothing tries to slide in under the covers, it gives drivers room to battle this stuff and fight for what we should be getting paid. All right. It'll give the driver the opportunity to be able to stand up and fight and just say, Hey, we do all this extra work. We don't get compensated for it. Companies will compensate you to a degree but they won't compensate you to the point of what you should be getting paid for the work that you, the, the time you spend on duty or uh, doing anything with that load, tying it down, securing it, tarping it, uh, load locks, inspecting the load, counting the pieces as they come off or go on the trailer before you close it up and haul butt down the road. I mean, all this stuff, and like Jerry said, I was sitting there listening, he says, how many hours does a driver spend on average on duty that are not counted along with the 70 hours? And I was thinking, oh, geez, that's easy, 120 hours, and boom. He come up with the whole formula on the whole deal. He nailed it right off the top of the head. And I've been, I've been in this industry for 25 years. 
and drivers just do not get compensated for the time that they put in, and it's a lot more time than what they do just driving along, and it's it's not fair, it's not proper, and this denim agreement, that's <laughs> uh, that's just the icing on the cake as far as I'm concerned, and that's why when I wrote that article about this and put it out and just said no, this can't take place. I'm adamant about this. Drivers need to stand up and fight for this. It's time, driver. It's about time that drivers finally took a stand because this is a straw that breaks the camel's backs for the drivers. It hurts company drivers and it hurts owner operators. Like Alan said in his post uh, on on his article about it, this hurts. This could eventually hurt rates that owner-operators get on loads. So there's a number of ways that this has a very negative effect for drivers all all around. Right. We owner-operators already have to compete against the cheapest-paid employee (coughs) driver out there. Like I was saying a minute ago, mathematically, the standard is so low. But this minimum wage is not even applied realistically to the job we do. I'm not at home right now. I'm at work. I'm at work this very minute. I am following the law. I am fulfilling requirements of the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Regulations. You know, I'm at work. This is not an eight-hour day job. Go home every night. There's no yeah. such thing at home. Uh, on yeah, the moment Phillips show yesterday, they were talking about these inspectors waking drivers up while they're on their 10-hour break, and legally they can do so. And, of course, at that moment in time, the driver has to start their 10-hour break over again. This is hey, what uh, folks, uh, required hey, to Pat, do. I'd like to throw something else in here that's going to shock some of you to the bone. Go for it. There, there is another reason that we need to be able to afford to log all of our time again. Um, I tried to get that. Uh, now, hold on. I tried to get in with a G the other night. Remember, my phone went dead. If you are involved in a fatal accident out here, even if it isn't your fault, the very first thing the plaintiff's attorneys go after is your logbook. And the plaintiff's attorneys know about that 395.2 when you're on duty and so on and so forth, like Hal said, tarping, chaining, binding, and all this other stuff. So, see, when you log that off-duty, even though you were on duty, that fatal accident that was somebody else's fault now becomes the vehicular homicide, and in other different terms, uh, uh, manslaughter one. See, any time that you're doing anything that you know is illegal, uh, irresponsible, and I'm trying to think of another word, and a death occurs, there are drivers every year in this country, many, that go to prison because of manslaughter, vehicular homicide, this, that, and the other thing, because they were illegally logging. I stood behind two very, very senior executives of one of the largest companies in the nation one day, and I know these people, and there was a terrible, terrible wreck. Killed a North Carolina state trooper up on Interstate 85 several years ago. 
The CEO said to the president of one of the divisions, well, it's probably going to cost us $10 million. And the president of the company says, and he says the driver's going to prison, but there's nothing we can do about that. Wow. Well, That's they everybody. do not relay this information to the drivers. They don't tell you the risk you are involved in. They write you off. As she Desai said it very plainly Saturday night, these carriers know what they're doing. They're leaving you hanging out on a limb. And when something bad goes wrong, they don't even know who you are. And what Jerry just said is true and correct. I have talked to too many attorneys that have told me the same thing about clients that have gone to prison. And they strongly encouraged me not to run illegal anymore. I have That's been right. logging it like I drive it for since 2008. Okay? I've got too much to lose. That's right. I've got too much to lose, and so do you. You're, you're, most, most company drivers are working for, well, listen to what they say on the radio. I need more miles. I need more miles. I need more miles. They want to do more miles because by doing more miles, they earn more money. Isn't it time we start fighting for a realistic wage fitting the job of an over-the-road driver? I just laid out the the bottom level here, $507 a week. That's what these carriers are striving to keep us at as best they can. As long as they're paying more than that, they're well within the law. It's up to us. It's up to us to do something about our earning capabilities, just like Donna I, said about uh, Richard a moment ago. You know, it's up to us to collect some collective bargaining amongst ourselves. And I'm not talking about striking crap or, or shutting down garbage. Do you know how much work has to be done before that can even be considered? How many... Phone calls have to be made, how many emails have to be written, not just by the drivers, but by their families and friends as well. This strike talk is way, way, way premature. I hope it never comes to having to do a strike. We outnumber them. Three and a half to four million drivers. What? 37,000 ATA members? Do the math here. Pat, remember we found out from a very reliable source here recently that he estimates really there's only about 1,500 members at the American Trucking Association, and there's 540,000 separate sets of DOT authority. I have DOT authority. I'm no different than Clarence Warner, Dan England, or anybody else. That's right. Get this, folks. For the new people in the business that don't know, the American Truck Association, I told this right to the face of Tom Donahue, who was the president of the American Truck Association, from a, to executives. The ATA has never represented a truck driver, does not now, nor never will, because, by the way, there is no way a truck driver can join the American Truck Association, even though they go around Congress posturing as spokesman for America's trucking industry. You have to have DOT authority to become a member of the American. They do not represent one truck driver in this country. And you listen, come on, all the other talk shows, 
And, you know, all are whispering, all for one and one for all, move America forward. Let me tell you, folks, this bill here, as cleverly disguised and as secret it was kept, they're kissing you on the ear and stabbing you in the back at the same time. The American Trucking Association, not the California government, not the U.S. government, not the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, for many of you, the very people you're working for created this bill. They paid congressmen to get it through there and to keep it secret from you to do just like Hal was saying and just like was saying, to cut your throat. And I it's multiplied I, I have to take a break, everybody. Okay. Uh, but I want to I wanna <laughs> just have everybody thinking about this when we come back. Can ELDs prevent, you know, I know a lot of people are against them, but are, is there anything with the ELD that's around the corner that could actually benefit the driver? And with that, I'm going to play yes. have a break and then and then raise your hand everybody, press 1 on your keypad if you want to answer that question. You're listening to Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith on Blog Talk Radio. Don't go anywhere. Alan and Donna will be right back. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here. Have you been driving a big rig for a while now and considering starting your own business as an owner-operator? Well, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. With a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less, you make the monthly payment and when the final payment is made, they hand over the title. It really is that simple. There is no big balloon payment at the end and secondly, the truck is yours, not a lease plan under one truck and company. So if becoming an owner-operator is your goal, do it the right way. Do it the best way. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing on the web at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. That's LoneMountainTruck.com. This is Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at askthetrucker.com. Now, back to the show. Well, I got to say that with everybody on this line tonight, I didn't see one hand raised to answer that question. So how about any of you guys that are already on there with your lines open? I'd like to finish what I was saying. Okay, go ahead. ahead. One ATA member can also be a member of the TCA. He can also be a member of the Alliance. So one person has three bodies, three associations, working in Washington on their behalf. They've multiplied their voice three times over. We've got to consider this. We've got a voice. We've got OIDA. I want to say we have women in trucking, but I think, and I think the world of Ellen Boya, I think she's doing wonderful things. 
but I don't know that she's getting into this depth of uh, conversation concerning how trucking we are affected by this trade of ours, trucking. ELDs. ELDs were first brought up. I had a Qualcomm back in 1990. It's a management tool. It was lovely. I have a blowout. I'm on a hot load. I'm punching buttons. Where can I go get it fixed? Go here, get it fixed. We got a crew waiting on you. It was a beautiful thing. It was designed to help things be more organized and be more streamlined. It was a lovely tool. This is how I perceive it happening. We still cheated like crazy on our log books, even though we had any, uh, 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 what call it, Qualcomm. I believe that the DOT was in Big Blue's uh, office one day doing a logbook audit, and they said, oh, my goodness, what are these numbers over here? Look like coordinates. Look, timestamps. They started comparing timestamps, coordinates to logbooks, and they found, oh, my goodness, imagine that. Drivers are cheating their logbooks. The, uh, at that point forward, they have coerced the major companies into using what we call e-logs now. They have then taken it to all the smaller carriers. Oh, geez, <coughs> if you will put e-logs in your trucks, we'll reduce that million-dollar fine down to $50,000. You use that money to equip your trucks with e-logs. They have been pursuing this for 15 years. We are just now getting ready to have the final e-log ruling come out. Even if OIDA beats this, do you think for one minute that the government, the FMCSA, the roadside inspections are not going to continue to coerce drivers into putting this into effect? You're going to have one in your truck whether you like it or not. How are you going to make it work for you? They've had 15 years to figure out how to make it for them. How are we going to make it work for us? And that's the question. Joe Amos has a petition out wanting to uh, change the uh, FSL, the Fair Labor Standards Act, because initially uh, overtime was denied because the carriers had no way of knowing if you were working or goofing off. Therefore, we shouldn't have to pay overtime. They got it now. They've got every move you make. They've got the minute you make that move, they know everything about the movement of the truck. So they can pay by it. We are governed by the clock, paid by the piece. It's time to change that around. Going to be governed by the clock, need to be paid by the clock. And I'm talking employee drivers here. I'm a contractor. It's my decision to make. Employee drivers don't have that available to them. They do what they're told or they get fired. Somebody else's turn. Well, I'm. I, you know, I wanted to ask a question. Um, okay. You guys were listening to Sirius Radio today, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Did they? What did they? When they brought up the Denim Amendment, what was the tone of the conversation? On Sirius Radio, I would say um, they're confused. Go for it, Jerry. What? I was going to say that Jerry and I were talking. About I, I would, I would say they're so. kind of. 
I would say they're kind of confused. Uh, even that fellow with the PDA there, yeah. he's not up on this because he didn't even know the Supreme Court had already turned this case back. Uh, I think what's happening maybe is that, remember, any of these businesses, including OIDA, Truckers News, and all these others, are kind of caught in between. You know, the, the very people who are adversaries, no, let me be right about it, our enemies are also the advertisers. And without their advertisers, fail to exist. So they're, they're walking a fine line. I kind of sense they're trying to go back forth in between. And it's really not getting anywhere. I want to put a shout out to Casey Phillips, by the way. Um, I've met with this man personally, and we've spent a little bit of time, uh, you know, talking and whatnot, and I was on a show one day. Um, we also send messages, and we don't have a, 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 I don't even know his email, but on the Facebook, we send little messages back and forth every now and then. Who are you talking about, Pat? Casey Phillips of the Afternoon Show, 3 to okay. 5. And okay. he really seems to be open-minded and fair. Um, for example, he had a lighter on um, uh, the first part of the show today talking about the Denim Amendment, and then he brought this other guy on. But he was receiving phone calls from drivers and trying to answer them as best he can. you got to remember, a lot, uh, Casey Phillips is not a truck driver. He doesn't have experience as a truck driver, but it really appears that he's making effort to understand it. So I just want to give right. him a shout-out. Okay. Uh, Donna, Donna, and remember, this show here is the only show so far. I was trying to get on KC today with Scott, the guy that was there from PDA. See, they're all reading this, and remember when I taught this to you, what the background really is, the FedExes and the McLeans and all these that have gone on. When they're reading this, it's, it's hard to attach it to anything. But if you know what the real history is, and even today, Scott and Casey were talking, I really think the world in all, Casey, that this is a government thing. You know how they keep saying the government, we're fighting the government. No, you aren't. You're fighting the people that the government is representing. Denim just didn't wake up in the morning. He didn't even know about peace work for truck drivers. It goes back to the fat cats, the few dozen aristocrats, they think they're trucking royalty, Dan England, uh, Jerry Moyes, uh, Bob, uh, what's it called, over there at Prime. They're the ones that are really, really trying to set the rules when it comes to ELD, the 65-mile-an-hour speed limit. Government doesn't know any of this. Who trained them on that? Who is the government really representing? That's our adversaries. They are our enemies. And see, KC doesn't know this. Dave Nemo doesn't know this. They don't know this deep history of what's going on. If they just peel that level of onion back, all of a sudden, all of the wording here makes total sense. Well, here, I'm going to read another statement, and it kind of you know goes along with what you're saying. It says, this bill appears to be designed to meet the self-interest of the trucking companies while undercutting fairness for workers, safety for all drivers, and the traditional rights of the states 
to enact laws designed to protect workers and advance the health and safety of the citizens of the state. And I think that's a very profound statement there. Um, it, it, and basically, it's you know what you're saying. It's it's in the self-interest of trucking companies uh, to undercut the fairness for the workers. So you know, but you know, this shouldn't be anything new to people. I mean, this is what we're, we're in an election right now. And one of the topics is, you know, these um, super PACs that donate. When when people donate money to anything, they are expected something in return. So this isn't just isolated for trucking. This is really how how politics work, and and it's pretty sad. But it's up to the people to catch it. And um, I was watching. I was watching the the Democrat um, debate the other night. Uh, you know, we, I watch all of the debates, um, but they were on, and I thought, okay, I'm just going to gut up and listen to this garbage. But anyway, I I uh, I was listening, and one of the questions that I think it was Bernie Sanders brought up to Hillary Clinton was. Look at look at all the money you've. Here you are talking how you want to do something about Wall Street, and look at all the money that you've taken from Wall Street. You know, it, it, it's just. And of course, she had a pretty savvy answer. She started talking about how she defended New York City in in during nine eleven, which really had absolutely nothing to do with with what they were talking about. But you know, she she did a spin on it the best she could. But my point is that th- this. This is nothing new, and it's not isolated to just the trucking industry. And it's up to people when they see it, even when it's tried to be snuck in. Without it. Once you see it, you have to call them on it, because the only thing that that the politicians rely on is the vote of their constituents. So... Once they know, that's why these phone calls are so important. People say, well, it's not going to make a difference. Yeah, it will, because if one senator or one representative ends up with a 1,000 phone calls over a bill that they don't want them to support, guess what that means? That's 1,000 votes that they're not going to get. That's what that means. So that's why this is important. A lot of PAC fund as well. A lot of through their PAC fund. That PAC fund supplies airline tickets and hotels for for you know members such as Tilden Curl to go to Washington D.C. and guess what? Be a lobbyist. Go visit and talk to the various lawmakers. Okay, so so don't throw out this excuse, lobbyists. We've got lobbyists too. This is how the game is played. We have got to start playing by the rules as they are and stop saying, oh, I don't like it, so I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to run outlaw. Outlaw is what's gotten us into this mess. We've got to follow the example from our enemies. Our enemies are getting things done through, through playing by the rules of how this nation's government works. We've got to play by those same games or we're going to continue to keep losing, losing, losing. So I... Donna, Donna yeah. uh, earlier you asked, 
will say, well, I'm not getting paid for it anyway, so what's it mean to me? Yeah, for a long time, we were on the downside of the market. You know, I was there, too. I was in the corner, but it's coming back. I can personally testify and show you examples if you want. We're finally beginning to get somewhere with detention. As an owner-operator, you know, these big brokers are throwing us $20, $25 an hour. Oh, one of the biggest in the country this week, I got 50 an hour out of it. Uh, another one, it's an LTL here, 40 an hour out of it. Actually, and there was one here recently on detention time. I really had to push to get it. But I was surprised they offered me more than I was going to ask for. So it was beginning mm-hmm. to happen. But it isn't going to happen overnight. We've got a long way to go, and I'm going to use a key word here. I've got a, we've got a long way to go to restore this. See, in today's business, there are many that would say, well, we're never going to get paid for that. See, my first 20-something years in the business, I can't believe there would ever be a day that we weren't paid for it. So we don't have to create it new. We've got to restore it. And historically, under the right situations, with the right demands, and let me tell you something. I know it's union at the but the union was made up of truck drivers. There wasn't a more powerful force in American industry than truck drivers. Other skills, the factory workers, the UAW, all the other skills used to stand back and wait to see what truck drivers, now you can put in parentheses teamsters, but we were truck drivers first. We were the most admired blue-collar workers in this country. And I'm going to tell you something. We're also the most feared. And we were nothing but truck drivers who got organized. And the trucking elite of today, that Jerry was speaking about a moment ago, was the contract carriers of yesterday. They couldn't even pull enough together to get running authorities so that they could be a common carrier, uh, be amongst the well-respected companies. They were running outlaw and doing dirty tricks back in the day to get by and to undermine the common carriers that had all the power back in the day. They were a strong part of deregulation, and now they are the aristocracy of today's trucking world. Look at the they history think they are. and see where we're they going. Think what I was teaching Pat the other night, uh, there was a time he had different levels of, of authority. The old PIEs, transcons, and all those, they were common carriers. Well, then you had the low IQ people, the bottom feeders, that were the Clarence Warners, the Dan Englands, who start as an exempt carrier, by the way, which is even further down the line. <laughs> These people, no, they, 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 didn't, they didn't have the intelligence, the management skills or whatever, to become common carriers. And the common carriers used to keep them there. And by the way, in those days, they were the ATA, the common carriers. The Dan Englands, the Werners, the Jerry Moores, the Robert Lowe's, they knew they weren't even welcome into the ATA. They didn't have the class or the intelligence to qualify. So and they the pushed TTA hard for de- Well, wait a minute. Yeah, they pushed hard for deregulation. They were a major force. So that was how they got to the top. But they got to the top by employing the exploitive, predatory pricing, exploitive human resource policies, and like Pat was saying, 
then the TCA was born, the Truckload Carriers Association, because they were not welcome and in some ways didn't even qualify to the ATA. They didn't have it. They were outlaws. They were bottom feeders. They were gypsies. And that's who they are today. Now, today they're behind the scenes trying to dominate the rest of the industry and pulling everybody down to their level again. Hey, everybody, I've got some votes in, some people who are voting no, and uh, we, we, we need to get on Twitter or something and, and probably thank them. Uh, I just saw this, John Duncan. These are all Republicans, which is um, unusual because, uh, you know, I think this is more of a uh, Democrats would be opposed to it and Republicans would be for it, but that's not what I'm seeing right now. John Duncan of uh, Tennessee, Sam Graves of Missouri, Scott Perry of Pennsylvania, and John uh, Ratko of New York. Um, these are all Republicans that voted uh, no, so we can give them a big thank you for that. I, I didn't mean to interrupt Oh, Donna, you, but, I'd, like, uh, I'd like to throw this out. My pedigree is a Republican. I'm a Republican. Can you imagine that? And let me point this out to you, too. Another lie that you hear out here. There was a time that the Teamsters Union strongly supported the Republicans. Can you imagine that? Till deregulation. Now, there's a couple times that I voted for uh, Ross Perot of Texas and Pat Buchanan. But I'm basically a Republican, but at the same time, I'm my own man. I don't stand in anybody's tent. And I believe this time my party is selling us down the river. That's what makes me really ticked off. My party betrayed me. Well, that's that's why I'm I'm telling you these Republicans all voted against it, and I'm sure there's many more. You know, I... You know, we, I'm, I'm wondering now if, if this isn't like half and half. I, I, who knows what goes on behind closed doors? So um, I was just glad to see that Republicans are voting against this. And uh, it's not like a total, you know, uh, Democrats are for it or against it and Republicans are for it. It doesn't seem to be that way. So I think a lot of the problem is they need to be educated and, uh, you know, you need to call them up and tell them why. That's why, we're well, like again, the number, to, need to, the number to call is 202-224-3121. You just give your uh, your zip code, and, you know, that's it. And anybody who's listening on the Internet, if you want to come and jump in, um, give us a call here at 347-826-9170. And then click one on your keypad, and that goes for everybody on the line here. Let me roll down. Okay, we got a couple more that came on. If you want to be part of the show, um, just click one on your keypad and your handle raise. And, you know, you can either ask a question or make a comment, uh, whatever you want to do. So um, where were we? I mean, you know, I, I guess it's it, – there's really not a lot more to say than what we've already well, said. Donna, about I, I'd like to throw something. I'm going to throw something out here, and I'm just an optimist like crazy. When we defeat this, yes, and we will defeat. We've got it. The, now we've got the momentum gone. 
You know who should be in our radar screen and our target next to take them down? Expose them for what they really are. To everyone in our industry, they're the working people, the politicians, and the public. The American Trucking Association does not represent American trucking. No, they, they represent do not. represent a few dozen well-heeled people. We need to take these. I'm going to cuss here. We need to take these bastards down once and for all. All right, you know what, Whenever, they, whenever they call in on the other shows and they're all this move America forward, call them and challenge them. They're kissing us in the ear and stabbing us in the back. We know who they are now. Time to take them down. Well, I've been saying you know, that for a long time. In the all ATA fairness, not... I'm sorry, Hal. I was just going to say, go. in go, all go, fairness, go. I don't think the the drivers already know that. I mean, I, I don't think there's any driver that really thinks that that's an organization for them, really. Right. No, of course not. not. I mean, the ATA, I've been saying for a long time that the ATA does not and has not stood for the drivers. There are very few times that I have seen anything that the ATA did that actually benefited the drivers. Now, the other part, we were talking about detention earlier. A lot of companies are shying away from trying to charge shippers or receivers for detention or layover time, or well, detention time and loading time. Because, and, and a big part of the reason for this, which they used to do it years ago, they would go after the customer and just say, hey, you've kept our driver here this long. You know, it's taken them all this time in order to get loaded. We need to compensate this driver. We're coming after you for detention time. And the companies would say, okay. Then every once in a while, you'd get a company that would balk about it. And then the sh- and then and then the trucking company would say, well, blah blah blah, and they and they give them reason that they need to do this. Companies need to go back to going to these companies, the shippers and the receivers, and saying, we're charging you. You pay this, or you won't get your your product shipped. Granted, that shipper or receiver will find somebody else to do it. But the more companies that go on board and say detention time. Pay it. Then Why should stop? Think about this. Why a should a carrier go in there and say that? How many carriers are already charging detention pay and not passing yeah. it on to the drivers? But that, there are a rampant. number of companies. There are a number of company trucking companies out there today that do not do that. That used to do it. And they don't do it anymore. They they won't do it anymore for one reason. If they lose that customer, that's that's profits lost for that customer. I'm big orange. I'm big orange. And I want to cut big blue out of it. So I'm not paying my driver's attention pay anyways. All I got to do is use that as a bargaining point. Okay, hey, look, I'll haul your freight for you. I ain't going to charge you detention pay. All right. Now, Big Blue's got to say, oh, well, we'll stop charging the detention pay so we can keep the account. In other words, we're letting these mega corporations compete against each other at our expense. At our expense. They pay the least and they make the most. Okay? Because we are not exercising our rights to demand the pay we are deserving of. 
We have a responsibility to this free market of ours. By not exercising our responsibilities, we're letting them control the free market. I need to say something. Sorry, thank you. I just need to say something real quick because I need to step out. But one thing, first off, I want to thank Ernesto Gutierrez. I want to thank him for bringing this up front. Because, I mean, well, that was the first post I saw about it was Ernie posting about this and raising a fit. I mean, he caught this, and I get, I want to give him a great deal of credit for having caught this dental amendment and brought it into the light for drivers. Because otherwise, I don't think we'd be talking about this right now. And to everybody out there that's listening, whether you're on the phone or on the Internet, I want to encourage you very strongly to call the Capital Switchboard. Like Donna said, 202-224-3121 and ask to speak to your representative. They'll ask for your zip code. They might go by your area code, but just give them your zip code because it might not match up with anything else. Contact your representative. Encourage them very strongly to vote no on the Denim Amendment. We need to put this to bed quick. We need to stop this and defeat it. Because this is a driver's livelihood, it's the family's livelihood, and it means one heck of a big difference for all of them. So with that, I need to get going. Thank you, Donna, for putting this show on. I mean, we need to keep on pushing this as much as we can. It's very important, people. It is very, very important. Well, thanks for coming on tonight, Hal, on such a short notice. And... um, Actually, everybody, uh, I mean, I'm really surprised uh, as many people who are on here tonight uh, listening. I I hope, you know, I hope the explanations that were all given tonight, you know, uh, the urgency of calling, uh, that you understand what's behind it. I I really don't know what more to say um, except that, you know, everybody's on board with this. uh, Elida and um, uh, us, PTEG, and a slew of other uh, organizations, um, you know, small small groups out there uh, are all for this, to call in and just say no to the Denim Amendment and explain why. And if there's anybody on here tonight that, you know, wants to ask a question or you know, to explain it further, um, or or even if, if you think the Denim Amendment's a good idea, you know, raise your <laughs> hand, click one on your keypad, and, you know, let's discuss it further. Because, like, you know, when I asked Jerry, well, what's the tone out on Sirius Radio? Because we were so happy that they were talking about it. But I'm getting the feeling, uh, Jerry, that people were still confused. So I'm a yeah, little because, surprised Donna, at that. They, they don't know that fundamental history that I taught to you all tonight. See, they're, they're thinking it was government. Where did this come from? How did this happen? And when you understand that, you know, FedEx gave up on a $250 million lawsuit, we found out Saturday night McLean was five. And, you know, these companies, I know who they are. They knew they're just like this so-called uh, lease operators and all this. They know they're skating on thin ice. They broke the law. It's just like if I'm running a 55 and a 35, and I've been doing it for 20 years, 
the cop stops one and I say, hey, you care. I've been doing it for 30 years. Too bad. It's always been against law. These people, these executives, these fat cats, right out here today with all these lease purchases and this, that, and the other thing, they know they're skinning on thin ice, but when they get caught, they're going to yell, oh, that wasn't fair. No, wait a minute. You're smart people, or you should have been smart enough. You took the chance. You got caught. Pay Mm -hmm. up. See, now once you understand where it goes all the way back, to who, why, and think about that again. I'll bring it up again. FedEx, $250 million. And by the way, that is the fines and all the other stuff. That's just the checks that they finally gave up and wrote to the drivers. Multiply that times 40 states. You're talking $10 billion for just FedEx. And you wonder how they got some politicians' attention here? You don't think some very, very big campaign contributions didn't happen when you consider what's going on? There it is, folks. Then once you understand that, every bit of the wording in that bill makes complete sense. Well, not only that, look at the use the shippers receivers can use so far concerning billable detention pay. Oh, geez, yeah. that's not our problem anymore. If you're not meeting the rules that you have to follow, Mr. Carrier, that's your problem. Don't bill us for detention pay. You need to take care of it. To me, that translates into lower wages to drivers. Look oh, at yeah, we, we'll, right there. we'll lose We'll lose, and I do it a lot. You don't see some of the things I do to get the attention. We're going in all the night, but it just happened out in North California. I say, hey, that load's going to ABF down on O'Toole Street. All of a sudden, everybody took notice. So I push hard on it, and I got ways I'd like to be able to teach it to people to do that. But I'm going to personally lose a lot of leverage now. And so will every other carrier who maybe wants to pay their drivers. You don't think Martin is going to get some talking back down? They're wanting to pay their drivers $20 an hour. That salesman for Martin is going to go into the traffic manager, the chief financial officer. They're going to look them right in the eye. That's your problem. We know now you don't have to pay your drivers, so we don't have to pay you. I have another caller with their hand up. I'm going to open line 718. Go for it. Hi, Hi good David evening. Johnson. Who do we have here? David Johnson. Hi, David. How are you? Okay, how are you? I'm great. How are you enjoying the show tonight? Oh, I'm loving it. Everything that you guys are saying is absolutely true. So it's uh, Wonderful. good to hear. I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of a, I don't know, it's kind of burdensome when you think about it. I mean, just the the weight of it all, you know, becomes a lot. So... But everything that you guys are saying with passion is good to hear. Is there anything that you know? I mean, we didn't explain enough. I'm, you know, I think I think Alan and I try to make sure that you know everybody really understands the seriousness of it because only when you understand the seriousness of something do people take action. And well, you know, we're not like you know being uh, uh-huh. melodramatic. This is true uh-huh. and real, and that's why we were so excited to see Hawaii's I mean, call to action right. on it I mean, because I'm the, it made it, yeah. 
I, I mean, I'm the trucker that has the Milton lawsuit on the same subject, if you don't know. I'm the David Johnson that, you know, brought this whole thing up even before the FedEx. I knew it was wrong. I mean, you know, how can you just not pay people for working? I mean, it's just un-American. I mean, that's, right. that's just, you know, it's just, I mean, it's just, but just to hear the schemes and how the whole thing has come about, it's just, it's just, you know, burdensome. I mean, do you think that you have to go through all of this just to get paid? I mean, it's just hard. Well, it's David, been a brainwash. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of funny, David. I've, I haven't been in other business. I've spent my whole life in this. It seems as though trucking management has somehow been entitled since I was in diapers right. to just cheat their drivers out of the pay. And they see they seem to get away with it. They seem to be entitled, and they seem to be affronted that anyone would even object. Yeah, well, like I said, I'm the one that has the lawsuit going now against Milton Truck Line, and I saw this really? way back. I mean, it's just ridiculous the things that you have to go through to get paid. I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, I don't go back 27 years or 30 years. It's just odd to me that, you know, that you would actually have someone sit for 10 hours and then not pay them. And then if they complain about it, then you say, you're going to sit more, we're going to fire you. It's just, it's just unbelievable to me, you know. What state are you domiciled in, David? I, I'm from Illinois. So I, I'm uh, in strong, Illinois. Yeah. Right. So my case is in Illinois and it's, uh, you know, Illinois is Illinois. I mean, I, I could say so much about that, but you know, even before seeing the FedEx and doing the reading, it just wasn't right. I mean, just sitting 10 hours and 12 hours and someone, you know, from another trucking company, you know, we see the same thing. I mean, you just sit, sit, sit. And like you said, you know, everybody's cutting deals at our expense, you know. And like uh, I think Pat said, we have electronic logs now. The cat's out mm-hmm. the back now. Everything is electronic now. So you just compare the driver's log to the ADP payroll, and that's it. Well, wait a minute. Let's look at this a little deeper here. My whole, I believe that we need to eliminate piecework completely. I believe piecework, first and foremost, is an unsafe way of having working conditions. Back in the teens and the 20s, before the unions, they paid their help piecework wages, and men were crippled, cut arms off, cut fingers off, and were no longer able to feed their families because of piecework wages. This is one thing that brought the unions together and brought them up. Yet here we are today with piecework wages. Percentage pay, hourly pay, mileage pay, tonnage pay. As long as a driver is put in a situation that they need to strive to produce as much as possible in the hours available, we have unsafe circumstances. Now, the other side, the other side would say, oh, well, we need to have production base because it creates incentive. BS. BS. No other industry has that. The people, the, the mechanics in the shop don't have a, a, a production-based pay system. They get paid by the hour. They come in, work eight hours, go home. Okay? Incentive. If drivers were paid a living wage 
getting the job, there's your incentive. Incentive to keep the job, incentive for other people to seek your job if you're not doing it. We need to change our attitude towards incentive. The FMCSA rules and the Federal Motor Carrier Regulation rules prevent us from doing 5,000 miles, 6,000 miles a week like we used to do. Our ability to produce is governed, governed by the clock, but they insist that they can only pay us piecework wages. Does the secretary in the office get paid for how many letters she writes? Right. Does the by the way, I'm going to. secretary in the I'm, office get paid when she goes down and waits in line for two hours to bring Starbucks coffee? Why I, I are we throw allowing this. ourselves to be treated differently than everybody else? All your. All right, go ahead, Jerry. Pat, here's yes, something sir. else to think about, folks. I hear on serious radio a lot. You hear me object to it. Oh, we need more flexibility. We need more hours. Excuse me, airline pilots only fly, what is it, 40 or 80 hours a month that are good for and $200,000 a year, and they have regulations just like we do. If you're properly paid, the regulations actually become your friend. I'm going to throw something out here, and I don't know whether to do it, Donna, but we were talking the other night, and I was getting a little abstract. You know, truck drivers, we don't really have a continuing job. We have assignments. In some ways, we whore ourselves to American industry. The trucking company pimps us to the customer, client, to satisfy the client. We're expected to smile and moan and pleasure the client so that the client will be left happy. And if we don't, when we get back to the pimp, the pimp puts the whip to us. That's right. The pimp will and economically put a stranglehold on us, report us through back because his client wasn't satisfied. Then the pimp right. will determine what little bit we get that day for servicing his client. Well, yes, sir. you know, the way I see it is, um, actually, I need to take a break. I'm going to come back to that thought in a minute. It's on the uh, tune of drivers are pawns of the industry. So yeah, we'll be right, right back. Heads up, truckers. Are you looking for deals on trucks, trailers, parts, or equipment? Or maybe you need to sell something truck-related. Well, there's a great spot on the web where truckers deal with other truckers. No middlemen involved. That's why we call it TruckerToTrucker.com. There's no charge at all for looking. And if you want to place an ad for what you're selling, it's just $19.95. And it runs till it sells. So whether you're buying or selling, it's time to log on and take a look. TruckerToTrucker.com. Check it out. That's TruckerToTrucker.com.
Hey everybody, Alan Smith here, and I want to tell you about TruckerLawyers.com. TruckerLawyers.com helps drivers with their legal needs, and they specialize in workers' compensation, trucking accidents, employment law, and other areas. TruckerLawyers.com arms you with important information regarding workers' compensation and your legal rights, and they are also available to help you find assistance for additional legal issues. This includes determining how to get you the best benefits possible for your situation. The website truckerlawyers.com is a resource where you can learn more about your legal rights as a driver. Feel free to continue the social media conversation by liking them on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash truckerlawyers and follow them on Twitter as at truckerlawyers. Call them to talk through your questions at 1-800-736-5503. Hi, everybody. We're back. We're discussing the Denim Amendment and the seriousness um, of how it affects truck driver wages. And, um, okay, Jerry, uh, we were we were in the middle of something. You know, I think we had a lot of people come on uh, the show. And I, I think I want to just uh, read the second part of the OIDA call to action on this. It kind of it explains it, huh? Yes, go ahead, Donna, sure. Okay. Um, let me see which part it is. I'm looking at it now. Well, as lawmakers continue resolving the difference between the House and Senate versions of the highway bill this week in Washington, we would like to draw your attention to the language that, if included, is certain to impact your bottom line. This language was introduced via amended by, amendment by Congressman Jeff Denham, Republican in California, as a result of a Ninth Circuit Court decision to enforce a 100-year-old law in California pertaining to meal and rest breaks for employees. However, the language also includes an ambitious overreach that would limit the state's ability to allow for any other driver compensation except mileage pay. OIDA stands firmly opposed to this language. So again, everybody um, who came in late, uh, the number to call, is it's really, really uh, crucial. They're having their meeting tomorrow is 202-224-3121. And you just give them your zip code and you get connected to your representative. 202-224-3121. Okay, Jerry, um, I think we were talking about pawns of the industry. (laughs) Yes. Well, I I, I don't know whether I should have said that. It might have gone. But, you know, we get to the client. The client bites us, kicks us, beats us, whips us, and we're expected to stand there with a smile the whole time. We get abused. These people absolutely abuse us. Then if we go back to the Well, you know what, Jerry? Yeah. You know what I think? Yeah. I think over the years what has happened with the um, with the fight, you know, with the freight rates competing, who's going to do it lower, and who's going to yeah. get the who's going to get the load? The only mm-hmm. variable that can be changed in that whole formula is driver pay, and the Cost lower of labor. Right. 
The labor cost is the only So whoever can get the cheapest labor, those are the ones who can take the cheap freight. And if this driver wage uh, uh, amendment, which affects driver wages, was to pass, this would drastically also affect owner-operators because now they're at a further disadvantage. You see, when driver wages go up, the higher they they rise, the higher the rates go up, and the better it is for the owner-operators. So... Yeah, and and if I'm wrong, does anybody disagree with me on that? No, you're right. I I, I completely agree. Yeah. You know. I'd, I'd like to. Have okay. A um, so this it, it, amendment to everybody who's a, an owner operator, if you think this doesn't affect you, you're wrong. It's going to lower your profits if this goes through. Because now rates can be really cheap. And as far as I'm concerned, this is why they wanted to get the 19-year-olds in, because they'll be willing to work a lot cheaper. And it would ensure that even if, you know, the the natives got restless, that they could say, no, we don't have to pay you more. This is part of what trucking is. It's been like this for years. And everybody accepts it as such. So you just, you know, be a nice boy or girl, and, and, and follow with the rules. And that's what it's all about. But see, they won't know. Let me let me show you a difference. You know, you're talking about the difference between, I'm going to have to withhold the name of the carrier, but uh, the difference with pay. I just took uh, a partial, 25,000 pounds, 11 pallets, 302 miles. Now, it's with a unionized LTL carrier who now has a brokerage division. Eight o'clock yesterday morning, they were putting this load out for seven hundred dollars. And I said, "Nah." By the time it picks up and delivers, that turns into a two-day load. Remember, I'm not talking miles. Two-day load. Four uh-huh. fifteen, they call. They said, "Are you still available?" And my load coordinator, who, who arranges this for me, says, "They said, well, what do you need?" He said, "Well, it's a two-day load now, so we need fourteen hundred. The immediate response was, "You got it." Mm-hmm. Now, remember, I'm competing with a high-wage carrier, a unionized LTL carrier. Show me out here someplace where a favorite account of J.B. Hunt is going to pay $1,400 for 11 pallets to go 302 miles. Mm-hmm. The unionized carriers used to pay real money. They know, by the way, when I got to the customer right at 5 o'clock, who waited for me to get there, thank me. That was such short notice of being able to cover the load for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So right there is the, the difference in the wages, how it affects the freight rates. Sure thing. Also, we have a lot of freight that we can't haul. We do a lot of auto show, trade show. Um, we hire in outside carriers to cover it. Now, it's common sense that we end up paying those outside carriers more than they pay me. I could have one or two attitudes about this. I could be pissed off. Well, wait a minute. You're hauling my freight and they're paying you more? That's not right. Or I could be thankful 
that these outside carriers are maintaining my level, which is not bad, by the way, the my level of earnings that I earn. Well, they know that we're in a bind when we call them in, and that's worth more to them. That gives them more negotiating power. But my point is, their high wages back up my high wages, okay? We have to look at money involved here. I ran the numbers the other day. 37,000 members of ATA at the low entry level of $450. That's over $16 million in their war chest, and that's the low level. OIDA, $150,000 at $45 a member. That's only $6 million. Look at how we are having to take on these monsters. We're not even trying. We got three and a half, four million drivers out here. Why doesn't OIDA have 500,000, 750,000 drivers? Well, I hear it all the time. Well, they're not doing anything for me. You know what? It's $45. It's $45 is nothing more than a contribution, and you don't worry right. about anything else. Right. Yeah. Now you have lobbyists in D.C. fighting these types of things. We at OIDA, and I say we because I'm a member, we at OIDA are pinning fighting against dollars, and we have to spend our pennies wisely. Diana was asking me why it took so long for OIDA to get in on this. Well, is there money in the budget? Well, I was to get starting to get this? worried. You know, I understand. Of course. But we have to watch our money, don't we? We're up against a lot more money than what we have. So if you have a $45 contribution at it, tell what it is. Pat, this, this was so secret, this amendment, that I think when... I don't think a lot of people knew about it. We just happened to be the first ones notified mm-hmm. because we had uh, connections um, in California, but and th- that's Rockett, the state that really that really you know at the Nasdaq uh, conference, the Nasdaq convention at the end of October. Ah, oh, imagine that. More serious radio heroes that are looking out for our best interests. Yeah, we just, you guys get the credit. Y'all just found out about it last week and passed it on to me. But these other people that are promoting, uh, propagandizing us, giving us all this propaganda to join with them because they're thinking of our best interests, knew about it three weeks ago. Hey, Donna, uh, Pat, I'd like to throw something here for perspective. Uh, And I've used this for a number of years on the time thing. You know, life is made up of time. The most important component in life is time. Time's a waste in four score, 70 years, or that the other thing. And I think we all kind of believe our life should have value. So when we're sitting in a dock somewhere, and we're clamped to the dock, we're captured there. Shipper's making a profit. 
Constantine's making a profit. The carrier's making a profit. And I think the reason why deep down inside this waiting around for nothing bothers us is this reason. Our life should have value. Every moment we live is a moment we never get back. When we get to the customer's dock, we do not reach over and hit the button, put our life on hold. So now when we're sitting there for nothing, everyone else is profiting, the rest of the world is telling Jerry Fritz, your life is worth nothing. 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 And and you start believing that after a while. It's very sad. It's very sad. Um, that, and, that, and that's why know, this people... is so aggravating. That's why this is so aggravating to it. If you, you know, I, I have this drill down, drill down mentality. So when you drill down, you know we're sitting there. So what? Why can't we get to the so what? Because deep down inside the cortex of our brain, this is an immoral act that American industry perpetrates on us. They are telling us your life is worth. Nothing. We go to work to earn a living so that we may. Well, we uh, we got a. I'm I'm sorry. So we can enjoy our time away from work, but they have us around their little fingers where we're lucky if we can even afford to go home from work. How many carriers are are. Uh, utilizing your 34-hour break spent out on the road as personal time off. You're a thousand miles away from home. How is that personal time off? We got well, to it's not. We it's got not. To how our attitude has got to change. Are you at work when you're in that truck away from home, or are you off work? Well, the piece work, you only get paid by the mile. All right, pull into that shipper and say, okay, I'm off the clock now. Come get your stuff. That ain't going to work. Pull into the fuel line and say, oh, by the way, I'm not getting paid now. Somebody needs to put fuel in it. That ain't going to work. My point is, this is a not a, to a degree, it is a working lifestyle that we have to change. But your job supports your true lifestyle, your lifestyle of your family and your home, your lifestyle away from work. We confuse this by calling it a lifestyle. Yeah, it's a working lifestyle. Of course, we're 24-7 in a cubicle. In a cubicle. How many office workers spend 24-7 in a cubicle? You know, well, we've got yeah, to I mean, putting this into perspective. I, I totally, totally agree with you, and I think I think everybody listening to this tonight agrees with you too. Um, we've got to start to wind down here. Um, I've got, let's see, uh, Blog Talk Radio is telling me I have four minutes and fifty-three seconds. So, um, I, first of all, I want to thank you guys for everybody uh, for calling in tonight. 
and and being a part of of the show, especially on such a short notice. I didn't expect so many people uh, to be on the line. I can't tell how many people are listening. I won't know until um, in about three or four days from now how many are list, have listened on the internet. But I can see here on the phone lines is a lot, and I really appreciate it. And I know Alan will too when he gets in and listens to the recording. Uh, the next thing I want to say is um, this was the call on the uh, Denim Amendment tonight. And I want to read the talking points. I'm looking at the OIDA website. And these are the talking points when you call up. And, of course, that number again is 202-224-3121. And you want to say things like um, you oppose any limits to states' ability to allow for any other driver compensation except the mileage pay. That, In other words, you want to say that we deserve to be paid more than just mileage pay. And you support the fair pay for drivers adhering to mandated rest breaks and uh, does not want to prevent you do not want them to prevent the state's ability to address critical items like payment for detention time, safety training, and medical examinations or other costs associated with licensing procedure. And of course this this link of all this is on the show page um, on the show tonight from Blog Talk Radio. You can just follow the link. Basically all you have to say is say no to the Denim Amendment because it's unfair for trucker wages. So I just kind of read that. Um, Jerry, um, David, uh, who else's line is open here? Um, Pat, we got two minutes. Any last things anybody want to say before we close it down? This is yes, not Bonnet. the end of this. This is only the beginning. We have seen them start laying their, playing their cards back February 27, 2012, when they slipped in this off-duty clause in the hours of the hours of service rules. This is not going to end with this. But we have got to start devising a strategy that we can all agree upon and work towards to give ourselves a reasonable way to earn our living. This automated truck stuff is not the answer. We as human beings deserve to live with dignity. And there are many things that we need to work towards. Um, I'm Pat Hockaday. TruckersUnited.org is my website. I am offering an alternative. I do not claim my way is the way it has to be. But we have got to start talking about this. Thank you very much. I really appreciate each and every one of you. Well, we appreciate you too, and I'm sorry. I, I last time I mentioned your website about four times, and tonight I didn't even bring you up. So I'm We're glad good. you brought that up, Jerry. What do you have any last words? We've got one minute and ten seconds. Uh, believe it or not, I'll keep it real brief. It comes down to this, folks, listening audience, my fellow drivers, all of which I love you and your families. Donna, love you for bringing this on, but fundamentally. If you aren't part of the answer, you are part of the problem. When you look in the mirror in the morning, you look in the mirror tonight, you look at yourself and say, am I part of the problem 
or am I part of the solution? Numbers count. Thank you very much. Be safe, folks. If well, we thank you, Jerry. I agree on money. Can't We've got to make the money. call, guys. And we can never agree Pat, on anything Pat, else. Pat, so, Pat, let the other, let, let the other, David, come on. David, any thank last you. words? Nope. Thank you. I mean, it's been a great show. I mean, everybody be safe. And I agree, you know, if you don't stand up for this, what's going to be next? Everybody tell five, everybody who's listening tonight, tell five people that number and tell them to call. 202. 224-3121, and then ask them to tell five people. Tomorrow's the meeting. Let's start bombarding the, the lines. All right, everybody. I appreciate everybody coming on tonight. I know Alan will, too. I can't wait for him to hear the show. He's going to love it. And uh, till next time, we're probably having a, a health show next. Uh Unless we have another emergency show, but until <laughs> next time, yeah, right. <laughs> oh, we're going to play a song. Good night, everybody. God bless. Good night. Good night. Doc, oh.